Show starts in three minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't have to do any introduction. This is Grandpa Munster, uh, yeah. Al Lewis. Yeah, who'd you think it was? <laughs> you know, the restaurant and uh, the Munster series. That's right. And you're going to tell us. Uh, I'm going to tell you the weather. It's what all do you yours. <laughs> and do I have a surprise for you? <laughs> you're not going to be disappointed. We have plenty of weather. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Today was a wonderful day. A little nippy, but wonderful. And when you see what tomorrow is going to be, tomorrow is going to be beautiful. It's going to warm up. There'll be sun. Oh, it's wonderful, wonderful. Get out. I mean, put a coat on, a sweater underneath, and get out. Enjoy the weather. <laughs> Everything's coming Doctors and psychiatrists have to say about which is worse for you physically and emotionally, alcohol or marijuana. The facts are, at this time, there are no known damaging physical effects from the use of marijuana. But, unlike alcohol, when you take too much at one time, you don't pass out. You more than likely run the risk of an unpredictable and unpleasant bummer. Uh, a lot of cats put down grass, man, like, uh, uh, because they say things about it like it makes you lose your memory, you know, man. Well, I just want to say that, uh, uh, I forgot where I was, man. Uh, okay, cut. Freddie, Freddie, stop. Uh, all right, let's just, just take it once more, okay? Just, just a minute, let me think of where I, oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. All okay, right. here we go. Okay. I'll we'll take it from Mr. Roach's clip again, okay? I I'm ready. Here we go. Mr. Roach's clip. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Roach clip. You're supposed to do the speech. Oh, right, Remember? right, right, man. I got it. I got it. Okay. okay. I'll, Ready? Do it. I'll do it right this time. Is this a take? All right. Yeah, we'll, we'll take this one, Freddie. Okay, here we go. Those memes that you see on Facebook all the time, like people who weren't born in the 70s don't know how to use a whatever. It's like, yeah, that's kind of how technology works. Things change. Why the hell would any kid need to use a rotary phone? It doesn't mean they're stupid. I mean, there's no, we don't cool? use those anymore. Because we don't use Morse code anymore. Maybe I'm still angry at Jessica Lang. I think you are. It could be I, time to let it go. I've got to calm down. Mm -hmm. <sighs> go watch Francis or something. Get some sage, smudge your house, think about it, let it go. Ah, zen. Okay. Centered. Are you? Good. Lightly off-centered, but close enough. So what's happening in the world there, Mary? I hear there's a, a CPAC convention. Did you hear about that? Which someone said they should have named it TPAC. Yeah, well, I was confused. I thought the Tupac would 
maybe show up, or at least a hologram of Tupac. Tupac? Oh, to that Yeah, wouldn't that be wild? No. I believe he's too well-read. Tupac at CPAC. For that crowd, from what I understand. <laughs> okay. The really tack gold statue that was wheeled in, that rolled in, that people were bowing in front of. Yeah. That turns out, from everything I've heard, was made in China. It was. And then, to top it up, all these evangelicals who, God is so important, blah, 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 blah. Apparently, they have forgotten about the golden calf in the Bible, where there are about a hundred references. Nehemiah, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Acts, Exodus, King. Oh, I said Exodus twice because they have some really good ones. But do you think that maybe they were just trolling people? Because they no. certainly they knew that. I mean, it's not like something, that, it's not arcane knowledge. Even people who don't know anything about Christianity have heard of a golden idol, right? And it wasn't even just that it was gold, but it was also, like you said, manufactured in China. And also, I think he was holding a magic wand, wasn't he? Or like a rainbow wand there, or something? There, oh, it wouldn't have been rainbow. You know that. No, I think that that was part of the troll. My opinion is the whole thing was just, a, uh, these people have a sense of humor that is very hard to understand sometimes. But the way I saw it was, not to excuse them, I mean, they're just being dicks, but... That, oh, this will really make the liberals' head spin. Let's put everything we could possibly put in here that would, okay, we'll make it in China, it'll be gold, it'll be an idol. I think you're giving them way bond. too much credit. I, think I don't know, these, these are people because, no, who... Remember how they've said he was sent to them by God to save the world, to save them? Oh, no, they meant it. But the way they troll, it can work either way. That's kind of what they're really good at, like with... For instance, the, uh, when they co-opted the OK hand signal, and that became a white power thing. Originally, it was a joke. It was started on 4chan. The idea was, these liberals get mad at anything, so let's pretend that this means white power. And sure enough, they took the bait. But half the people aren't smart enough to realize the subtle shadings of the humor, so they just started using it unironically as white power, so then it became what they originally were making fun of. So, I don't know. These are the guys who designed the stage like a Nazi uh, Odal rune symbol. That wasn't an accident. These people know exactly what they're doing. And they, it's well, that's an Stephen awful Miller. thing. Sure, that's, it's an awful that's thing Stephen to do. Miller. I kind of don't think that the motivation behind doing it is because they have to put Nazi imagery in everything. I think at this point they know that they're Nazis, obviously. They know that we know they're Nazis. So by making this stage obviously in the shape, and somebody quickly pointed out what it was, then all they have to do is say, you you liberals are crazy. You're looking for this no matter what. And I think that's the message that, that they keep winning on. It's a stupid, desperate way of... Do you think they're winning of, on anything? I think they're I winning, think they're they're winning not, on and that. They still have millions of supporters supporting this big lie, and they've got a well, media... They're nuts. Did you, to, did you hear any of the interviews with these absolute, total, and complete nutcases? I couldn't bring myself to watch too much. I watched scattered clips, but no. This press outside interviewing. Of course, none of these people got in. Now, these were all people outside there for hours. Mm -hmm. They're nuts. Well, they're completely nuts. I, I mean, not Certifiable. How can you still believe all of that and not, to a certain degree, have lost your grasp on reality? You can't. It's too... No, they have lost their, their grip on reality. They know that their base, the very, very bottom of the base, is just dirt stupid. They're just the stupidest, most easily manipulated, evil, awful people. So they got to keep catering to those people. 
yeah, so I, I was talking about the with like with the hand signals and and the and this the stage was obviously obviously designed based on a, a Nazi symbol. There's I don't think there's any reasonable person who could say otherwise. However, there would be some that said no, it isn't. They're you're saying, just saying that you're trying you to kidding? turn it into that. It's are, obvious. Are, did they anybody admit to, that it was? I don't know. Stephen so, Miller might. Within their own people, they would. Out to the normals, no, they wouldn't. Right. That I can imagine. Well, it's all a wink. Everything that they say and do is a wink to their side. And then the, maybe not stupid people, but evil people uh, will hear what they want to hear out of it, too. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm sure the Nazis did exactly the same thing. If you make the, the claims vague enough that really anybody can read whatever they want to into it, and likewise make the enemy both preternaturally strong and also incredibly weak, Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, actually, speaking of things on stage, mm-hmm. did you watch any any of the Golden Globes? The Golden Globes. I, you know, I didn't watch. I actually, to be honest, I forgot they were on. And then the next morning, was, oh, Golden Globes. I probably wouldn't have watched them otherwise because I find it kind of a boring ceremony. But what do you think? Did you watch? I kind of clipped in every here and there because I think Tina Fey and Amy Poehler are funny together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would not have remembered it was on. There was a television station that I had tuned into a day or two ahead of time that was talking about them and talking about their pre-award show, something, something. And so I used that. I didn't use it. It was a notice. I wouldn't say a reminder, a notice. And then what day were they? Were they on Sunday? Yeah. So I tuned into the beginning just because I wanted to see those two. And then I bumped back in a couple other times, see if I could catch them. No, I... um, Remember as a child, my sister, who was just my senior, she and I would get very excited about award shows and would watch them. And I think somewhere into my 20s, I probably watched quite a few of them. Mm-hmm. But well, the Oscars, was, everybody, everybody loves the Oscars. I, mean, I don't even watch those anymore. I used to well, get very and it, excited. It used to parties. be, yeah, it used mm-hmm. to be that they were the award shows and you watched the people receiving their awards. And now it's a lot of musical guests or all of these other things that aren't about watching the recipients receive the award. Right. Just and every year they, they say, oh, we have to make these shows shorter, but they never even consider cutting out the 15 stupid dance numbers. You know, it's pretty, you could make that a two hour show if you wanted to. It wouldn't be that hard. Three dance numbers would be fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'd like, you know, a little bit's good. Sure. You got to have a little bit. Of, I mean, the whole thing is about pomp and circumstance. So you got to have some, Pomp and circumstance. Yeah, but when it's like, I mean, do you remember years? I don't know. I guess whatever year. uh, I think I'm gonna say Schindler's List, but it could have been Saving Private Ryan too. But whatever year that was out, they did a musical number where they did. It was like a modern. I'm sorry for anybody who's into modern dance, but it's not for me. Modern dance interpretations of the five best films. You tell me how one. you you tell me how you convey Schindler's List through modern dance without making it look ridiculous. And I'm sorry. I there. could. I <laughs> depending upon. I mean, modern dance isn't just one way. Sure, I know. I'm I'm being a, so a I jerk could, when I say that. Yeah, you kind of are. <laughs> but no, I could see it being done very respectfully and very dramatically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they should have put you in charge because it didn't come off that. Really quite ridiculous. 
Because it was just people in black spandex uh, stretching, is what it kind of looked like. Stretching and jumping and running behind silhouettes. Okay, okay. yeah, that's not how I would have done it. <laughs> I'd rather see a clip, no. thank you. Oh, clip from the film. Yeah, yeah. No, hearing that, I can completely understand why you did not appreciate their effort. <laughs> oh, I, the effort. I, no problem with the effort. Did you? <laughs> Are you sure there was much effort? Therein lies the question. I actually had a uh, used to have an, an upstairs neighbor who was a, prof- a professional dancer, and um, she worked on uh, that horrible, horrible uh, Will Smith version of the Omega Man. I am Legend. Remember that? I have not seen the movie, but I know of the movie. Okay. Well, it's based on my favorite book of all time. It's called I Am Legend by Richard Matheson, and it's been made in a, into a movie a couple of different times. Yes. And they made a big budget Will Smith version of it. And of course, just trashed source material. And they're supposed to be kind of vampires. Basically, it's the last guy on earth. And, and every night, he has to lock himself into his apartment and listen to all the vampire creatures banging on the uh, doors trying to get him to come out. And then during the day, he goes out and he puts stakes through their hearts, all the ones he can find. And that's his life. He's the last guy on earth. He's very busy. Uh, He's very, yeah. very busy. He's a busy guy. But in the, in the Will Smith movie, it's just, it's like this. They're super fast vampires or something. Anyway, she was one of the dancers that they hired to be these creatures. And they shot for a week upon, just week after week in Central Park, like at night. And she was telling me all the grueling uh, shoots that they were doing. And then they ended up just CGIing them. They were just used <gasps> as reference. Yeah, the dancers were all used as reference only. So in the shots, you'll just, yeah. So. Oh my. Can you, yeah, can you imagine putting in, it must have been like two or three months of, of hard work. She was going there every night, and for nothing. You're not even on screen. Wow. Yeah. And then you get left out of the credits, much like Marine Shahan in Flashdance. Mm-hmm. She had to sue, didn't she? Didn't she sue them yep. to get anything? Yes, she did. Yeah. And well, then we- when you bring up grueling work schedule, Cynthia Rhodes used to talk about that in uh, Dirty Dancing, which when you see that, you'll see how obscenely thin she is. She was also in Flashdance, by the way. That's the thing about Flashdance. You know, if you watch those scenes, no, I don't even know how we were fooled, to be honest. When you when you watch that, all the dancing is obviously somebody else because you never see her face in the same shot. So, well, yeah. did, did they really think we were going to fall for that? I guess we Plus, did. she's I think she's I don't know she's a little shorter. I think so, but she's more muscular. Mm-hmm. I was fascinated by that movie. I did not want to become a well, An entertainer of that ilk, but I I love dancing. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know how many times we went to the theater, not like 10, 20, or 5 even. But, man, I watched them. I watched all that dancing very closely. That was a big movie. I mean, it was huge. The soundtrack. And... Oh, the dancing. Um, Did you ever see West Side Story? Oh, yeah. Many times. The dancing is so exact. Mm-hmm. I can probably still sing most of the songs. That movie I've watched countless times. Yeah, I know I've said bad things about Sound of Music and Mary Poppins, but I do like West Side Story. Yes. You got me there. In fact, one time I was at my job at a movie theater, independent movie theater in Manhattan. I get a phone call from a man who introduces himself. He says, I, I hate to bother you, but I have a kind of a silly question. I hope you can help me with this. My son is a film editor. He's just starting out. His very first film that he edited that he got credit for 
was a film that you played last week. And I, I was wondering if there's any way possible that I could get the poster so that I could hang it on my wall and show my son how proud I am. And I said, well, look, I mean, the, and this is true, this is not BS, but the, the rule is, and, the, and we have a contract with every distributor that you're not allowed to do that. Cannot give away or sell posters, trailers, etc. You're supposed to destroy them or return them. That's, that's the law. Of course, that isn't in the real world how things happen because you can go to eBay and you can get posters for anything you want to. Yeah, but, that's what I, yeah, but the, the rule is, the suggestion. The distributor were to find out you did that. Well, if I mean, if a distributor kidding, found I'm out kidding, that you I'm sold kidding. it, yeah, it, it would be a, it could be a problem. So I told him that I said, look, you know, this is how it works, and I'm really sorry, but here's here's the thing. Let me give you the phone number of the distributor. They're local. They're a New York distributor. They're small. If you tell them what you told me, I would guess that they'll be able to give you a poster. I said, and if you don't get satisfaction, just please give me a call back. So he calls back the next day. He says, look, I'm really sorry to bother you, but I didn't get anywhere with the distributor. And I said, you know what? Say no more. I got an extra poster. I said. Just keep it between you and me. Ain't no problem. So he says, oh, I can't tell you how much that means to me. So he comes. So he shows up about an hour later. And it happens to be downtime when the move, all the movies are going. So, I, you know, I'm basically just hanging out. So we start talking, and he's so thankful to me. And, hey, no, no problem. He eventually says, oh, yeah, I kind of used to be in show business myself. Oh, really? What did you, uh, what did you do? Oh, I was a dancer. Mostly I was an actor, but a little bit in some movies. I said, oh, anything I've I've heard of. He said, oh, well, I was in this one movie called West Side Story. He's <laughs> like, oh, I heard of that. But, you know, there's like probably a thousand dancers in that whole movie. So I'm like, oh, you were in it. Okay, cool. I said, what, uh, what part are you playing? Well, it turns out he's with Jets. He's, what is, and if you if you just Google West Side Story Jets, you'll probably get the one photo that always comes up of all the Jets, I think, during the uh, Cool song. And he's right there. He's wearing a striped mm-hmm. shirt. <laughs> it's him. I think his name is Mickey something. Anyway, wow. I was like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. I bet you have some good stories. Turns out not only was he that guy, but he also, in Saturday Night Fever, he plays the dance instructor who teaches, oh. uh, yeah, who teaches Travolta how to dance. He didn't actually teach Travolta how to dance, but in the movie he plays the dance instructor. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think Nomadland is what won this year for Best Picture, oh. if I'm not mistaken. Francis McDormand. Yeah, and I got, and I love, I love Francis McDormand, and I gotta tell you, I could not get it through Nomadland. I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I just thought it was dreadful. It was just boring, boring, boring. And I know that's the style that she's going for, that it's a little movie about little intricacies, and I get that, but she, nothing happens. Absolutely nothing happens. And I love Francis McDormand, and I love David Strathern, who's in it as well, but I tapped out like 20 minutes to go because I, I honestly didn't care what was going to happen. So did you see it? No, no. Yeah, maybe it's me. I mean, it's it's obviously so acclaimed and good chance that the uh, director will win uh, an Oscar. But I don't know. It's oh. just, uh, I don't know. There's something about that that seems somewhat appealing to be able to just go for three months. I don't think I could do any longer than that, but to just be able to just take off and the idea that mm-hmm. there is that community but all those places that you say oh yeah i want to i want to see this at this point or i want to see that and you just don't get to them to all of a sudden just say, all right we have three months this is what we're going to see this is where we're going to go and not have a, a real strict itinerary you know saying we'll leave tomorrow at 8 a.m at four o'clock we'll stop there we'll drive until this point we'll stay there you know just being kind of free about it. Well, see, that's Lost in America. Remember Lost in America? 
Albert Brooks. Oh, that's a good movie. That's but where, see, it's uh, perhaps yeah. I'm, you know, when you have so many responsibilities, the idea of just having none other than remembering to fill the gas tank and make sure there's water sounds lovely. Well, this movie isn't really even about that as much as it is. That's the subtext of it. Because, I mean, I didn't really learn anything. It's about a woman, yeah, who, who lives in her uh, van or RV for a while because of something that some deep, dark secret that, of course, will, will be revealed, I'm sure, at the end. Understand? I kind of figure out what it is. But it's just it's just like a... And again, I don't have any problem with this type of film. Just a meditative... It doesn't have to be car crashes and explosions and everything. But for some reason, I just... It never clicked where I felt like, okay, I'm going with this. It just... I was just waiting for something to happen, and no conversation ever really went anywhere. Oh. But hey, it's just, maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. I did see Judas and the Black Messiah this week, and that is really good. That's about the FBI's assassination of one of the Black Panther leaders. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's pretty powerful and pretty accurate from what I understand. Of course, I did a deep dive afterwards to see what they got right and what they got wrong, and it's pretty accurate. Apparently. So, um, yeah, Daniel Kaluuya. He won an the, award. Uh, odds, he did. He won the supporting actor. He's odds-on favorite for the Oscar as well. And what else? Then you got Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Chad Bozeman. Oh, Mank, Chicago that's Seven. Just so sad. Did he win? Uh, he did. He won Best Actor. I think he's pretty much got the Academy Award locked up too. Normally, when and it's only happened a few times, but when someone has been posthumously awarded, it's almost more about them having died. Than it is not that the, the performance was awful or anything. Like Heath Ledger in Joker, I don't think he would have won the Oscar had he not died. It's a great performance, but I don't think it would have gotten the attention being a superhero movie you know, had he who not was died. He, do you know who was who else was in the category with him? With Heath Ledger? Good question. I, I'm going to look it up while we're talking. That was a pretty amazing performance. Would he? Oh, have no won? doubt, no doubt. Yeah, uh, I just don't. I think that his death made it a bigger thing than it would have been. Yeah. Had he not died. However, with uh, Chad Bozeman, I think he, he, if he were still alive, I think he still would win because he's so good in his movie. He's just so powerful. Heath Ledger, when he died, he and Michelle's daughter had been in a, every Saturday we would do a gym class, first for my son and then for my daughter. And their daughter, Matilda, was in my daughter's class. Oh, the, little, okay. the little gym is called, yeah. It's a play, you know, it's for little kids, five to, you know, eight or whatever. And the, he died, I think it must have been Friday night, and so the next day we were there, and of course Matilda was not there, and the uh, owner had to sit in a circle, and we all told stories, and we talked about blah, blah, blah. Very, very sad uh, situation. But yeah. Let's see, who won? Well, that was a long time ago. Oh, guess what won Best Picture thing? I don't think I would guess if you, if you ask me. 2009. What, when, which film won Best I Picture? I have no uh, idea what was even out in 2009. Well, I'll tell you what didn't win. Maybe you can guess from that. Benjamin Button. Remember that one? Brad Pitt, Aging Backwards. Yeah. I found that dreadful also. It was a bit of a surprise. The film that did win. Here's you can just win. say it. It's more fun this way. Here's what didn't win. Then see if you can guess the one that did win. So the best picture nominees who did not win are The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Frost Nixon, Milk, or Milk if you're in the Midwest, and The milk. Reader. Which I have no idea what The Reader we is. We say Milk in the Midwest. I have, here's the thing, yeah, uh, I'm not in yeah, the I, industry, so the films around the time, it isn't going to be something that is going to mean that much or s- stick in my memory. Nobody remembers this. Slumdog Millionaire. Oh, yes. That one. Best Picture. Okay. I, as far as uh, Best Picture, I, don't, I think it's still kind of a, a toss-up. 
could be oh. uh, could be any one of those. Mank could be. Mank is like the white film. That's like the the traditional white Hollywood film that would win in any other year. But now that the emphasis is on diversity, yes, uh, and they've even jiggered the rules. That's not a bad word, is it? Jiggered, jiggered the rules to point towards diversity or to create diversity, whatever. So I think jigger is actually a bartending thing. Okay, good. It's uh, the jigger is the thing you mix like your martinis, the metal, the stainless steel. Right. Yeah. It sounds uncomfortably close to a couple of different words. That's yeah. Why. Jip is a bad word. Yeah. So some of those, it's easier, unless you're actually bartending, to just mm-hmm. avoid them. Did you know there was a, I'm, I'm sure you probably did know this, and it's gone, going back a couple of years, but I want to say Columbia University, some university, a professor was reprimanded. I don't remember exactly how the case was resolved, but he was reprimanded. I think he might have even lost his job because he used the word niggardly in class. Now, the word niggardly, if you look it up, has nothing to do with the racial slur that it sounds like. It's a completely different origin of a word, and he used it in the correct context. But apparently a student of his complaint got him in trouble, etc. Anyway, I don't know the resolution of it, but it was it's one of those we-can't-have-nice-things kind of stories. Wow. <laughs> exactly. I have friends who are teaching. Yeah, you do have to tiptoe a lot anymore. Someone's going to this. I understand not using certain words and not doing certain things, but it has come to the point of such hypersensitivity that what is allowed anymore? And I, again, I think we all need to be very conscious of what we say and do. Humor can cross the line sometimes, good or bad, as to what's right and wrong, but that's part of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, Pick your genre of humor that you like. Avoid the others if you don't. But it is, it's it's gotten out of hand, I think. It's way out of hand. And I think my opinion is it's it's mostly by proxy. It's people getting angry on behalf of a group to which they don't belong. There's condescension that goes with that. It's, we must protect the, most of the people who are, I don't want to say most, but it's also the point, or maybe it is the point where you, people are lying in wait for someone to just say a word. That they can, aha! You're the enemy now. Now you've done it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, so have you had the opportunity to watch any of Christopher Ray being questioned on Capitol Hill today? I have not. I caught some this morning. Most of the people were very polite, both sides, because there's two sides now all this the time. Very former extreme. F- former still, FBI. He is still. still. Yes. But if I were to say, guess two people who just couldn't let it go that, are you sure, Antifa, 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 people posing as Trump supporters. Guess the two. Uh, I'm going to guess Holly. Oh, yay! Ding, Holly ding, Hobby. ding. Holly yep. Hobby and uh, Rafael Ted Cruz. Yes, hey, Rafael Ted Cancun Cruz. <laughs> Ted, I'm, I'm good at this game. Josh, I don't live in the state I represent, don't even have a house. I use my sister's address. From... He made jokes about AOC at, at CPAC. AOC, who, as we all know, raised millions of dollars for Ted's constituents. And was down there, Ted. was down there helping, was yeah. physically yeah. handing out yeah, but products Ted, to help people. You're forgetting Ted. Ted. Ted took a case of water out of a trunk of oh. a car in some did he, did he photograph toss a bottle by bottle? of unknown origin. No, yeah. that was just, that was the, we didn't even know it was in Texas. There was nothing to indicate where the photo was taken or when. But he was he was literally just taking a case of water out of the back of the trunk. That was his photo. No, no license plate. 
And it was even a warm. He was like wearing a short sleeve shirt, so it was probably last summer. Yeah. Well, no. he did have a he did have a mask, didn't he? But then Christ. he had to leave. Then he had to leave to go back to CPAC so that he could make a joke about which. Oh, so funny, Ted. Face is so ugly that if he wasn't wearing a mask, I would have put a mask on him in mm-hmm. on head just to prevent him from seeing him. Yeah. About how? Oh, so nice in Orlando. Not as nice as Cancun. Or it's amazing. Ah. And they laughed. They cheered for that, didn't they? <laughs> and that, yeah, all the and then again, all the crap about cancel culture. How the radical left just trying to cancel everybody. We won't let them do that. But now all of these people who voted against me didn't agree with me, says Donnie Diaper Boy Trump. Get rid of them. Vote them out. Blah, blah. It's like, um, sweetie, that's cancel culture. Has Which is you... such a new thing, too, cancel culture, right? I mean, for fun, read about what Monty Python went through when uh... the Life of Brian came out. Oh, uh, Monty Oh, one of my favorite films of all time is Life of Brian, probably one of the smartest films about religion and just the stuff they went through. And for the record, it's certainly not an anti-Christian film at all. No. It's, it's very reverent to Christianity, as far as that goes. So it was so misguided. And we're talking death threats. We're talking worse than you can even imagine over this silly little movie. Yeah, so yeah, cancel culture is not a new thing. Like, no. I think... It has kind of shifted, in a way, in my opinion, from right to left somewhat. So, it, in other words, it used to be you could rely on the right wing to get angry when a new movie came out. And now you can almost rely on certain aspects of the left wing getting angry. For about other what? Reason. Well, right, it's about different re- different things. Um, I mean, do you remember when, when uh, Cruising, when William Friedkin was making a movie called Cruising with Al Pacino? Mid-70s. And the movie's about, it takes place in, quote-unquote, gay underground the bdsm and there's a killer it's based on a book i think there's a there's a, a, a who's picking up guys from gay bars and killing them and so al pacino is a cop and he goes undercover to try to find him and while they were shooting the movie quote-unquote gay activists were so angry at the idea of portraying a homosexual as a killer because that's spoiler alert that's who was doing the, the killing that they tried to shut the film down. They literally would make so much noise that you, like banging trash cans, lids together and stuff like that, that they couldn't shoot in, and it was a nightmare. Anyway, so it depends on what the, what the issue is, I guess. But, uh, to me, it's more and more left-wing do-gooders who, who are protesting speech. Huh. I'm not having that experience so much. Okay. It's, I could well, be wrong. No, no, it's not a matter of being right or wrong. I'm just saying that hasn't been my experience so much, except in the cultural appropriation uh-huh. arena. Yes. That's yes. that's where the experience is coming through in my world, which Absolutely. we had talked about last week. Yeah. Oh, and the uh, Texas governor just lifted the mask mandate in the midst of all of this because he's hey. a brilliant dude, man. Who was that mask mandate? <sighs> my Pence's ears just pricked up when he said mandate. <laughs> that joke never gets old. Trans rights. Where we are right now in, in in this moment, I think if you were to make any sort of art or even statement that isn't 100% in line with, with the simple quote, trans women are women too, or excuse me, trans women are women, period. Anything beyond that, you'll get attacked for. And it's not the right wing attacking you. That's definitely that's yeah. attacking on that. So I have a question, and perhaps you'll yeah. know the answer to this. I hope so. Well, because, of course, who doesn't watch... That show that I can't think of the name of now. Vanderpump Rules. Oh, yeah. I think it was. You used to watch that. Okay. And there was, there was a hostess, I'm going to keep names out of this, okay. who was trans, 
Um, I don't think she, I don't know if she'd gone through all the surgeries. I think she had, but people had gotten along with her in the beginning. And then there was some friction between her and one of the other main people. And this other main person was having a girl's night. Well, this one main person wasn't getting along with this hostess at the time at all. So she's like, why should I invite her to my get together with these other gals? So the hostess gal came back and was saying, oh, it's cis privilege, cis privilege. I didn't even know what cis was. I was trying to figure that out. And now I know it's C-I-S, but I still haven't quite grasped its origin and what it's supposed to necessarily at its finest point be. I mean, I have a general idea. It means we straight, heterosexual, or not, I was born this way and the way I think matches the way I was born, kind of. But where did that word come from? It's, yeah, I think it's ridiculous because it is a word, or it's a a prefix, I guess, that's used in biology. But basically what it means is people who are the same sex they were born as. Kind of what I just said. Kind of, yeah, but it's, isn't, is there a word for people who have the same number of legs they were born with? Do we need a word for that? Or do you just, it's creating a word that doesn't need to be there. To me, the idea or the motive behind it is, again, it's like elevating trans people who are very, very, very small percentage into the equal. So, in other words, trans is the exception to the rule, but they don't want trans to be the exception to the rule. They want the rule to be that both are equal. So you have to have a different word to describe those people who are the same sex they were born as. Does mm-hmm. that make I mean, that's That's my take on it. And it's just an unnecessary word because, I mean, people are bipedal. We would normally, we'd say, in discussing humans, we would say they're a bipedal species. Obviously, not all of them are. But yes. we don't need another word for people who still have two legs. Yeah. And I mean, I don't, I don't want us, I don't really want us to <laughs> create any friction necessarily, but that just seemed, and in that instance, I suppose I could understand in a way that person feeling left out but then using that as the reason when it wasn't. Yeah. I don't, in any circumstance, when someone uses something as an excuse, when that's not, I mean, just don't jump to that conclusion. That creates more animosity. I don't know much about that show. Is it, it's about a restaurant? Is that what it is? Yes. Sir, S-U-R, I don't, couldn't tell you what it stands for. And I, they really did have an interesting cast of characters. Through time, some of them have been popped off just this last year. Two of the primary characters and then two new ones were let go. And then one other couple, were they let go? Did they leave on their own terms? You know, make that up, make your own mind up on that one. I don't know. And then they opened uh, a bar called Tom Tom with Tom and Tom. Yeah, they have a few things. I think she's quite a character, though. The only thing I know about it is that someone who used to be the girlfriend of a writer on the Howard Stern show tried to get on the show and was hired at the, at the restaurant with the idea that she was going to be a cast member, but it never panned out. So that's really all I know. It's the only reference oh. I have for it. So another prize-winning story from Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and it has nothing to do with Polaroids from any place at any time. That's all they there can is all be winners. You know, they the machine no. gun effect. You throw them all out there, and eventually one of them will, will hit. But That's right. You know, throw those noodles you know, to the wall. Something's going to stick at some point. Absolutely. You know, I to- I've talked about, I've made no effort to hide the fact that I'm kind of addicted to 70s 
game shows, specifically Match Game, Tattletales. But I'm watching Tattletales. Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares to an extent. Nothing gets me like these two. For some reason, Match Game and Tattletales, I don't know what it is about them, but I'm just endlessly fascinated. Tattletales is the one with the Hollywood couples where they try to guess what their spouse... Yeah, but normally, you know, I've, I've watched... I don't know how many episodes, and you see the same people over and over again. You see people who I have no idea how they got famous, or or even if they were famous outside of game shows, but they were such a part of, of game shows during the 70s that it just seems like, oh yeah, they were famous. Charles Nelson yep. Riley, we know him. He was on a bunch of shows, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm watching, and, and okay, first I see in the thumbnail, I see Fanny Flagg. Remember Fanny Flagg? Yes. I okay. remember, My mother watches that daily. Oh, okay, okay. So she was on Match Game. noon to one. Okay, cool. I love Fanny Flagg. Fanny Flagg is a funny person. She was a great writer. She wrote Fried Green Tomatoes. I did not know. Oh, yeah, she wrote that. It's about herself, in fact. And she also is well-known as a lesbian. And she has been a lesbian and pretty much out, as far as I know, since the 70s. So when I saw her little picture there, I thought, how could she be on Tattletales? What is going on? i got to watch this. And I thought... Okay, here's the options. Either she was married to somebody prior to discovering who she was, right? And so that's who the husband's going to be. Or this is one of those Hollywood things where they pretend, because we weren't ready in the 70s for... Rock Hudson. Rock Hudson, right. We weren't ready for that at all. So we know that, that the studios especially would force their male actors who were gay to get married because they had... To their assistant. Exactly. So I'm like, who could this possibly, who could they match Fanny Flag up with? Who, guess who it was? Don't, don't, even, don't guess. You don't have to guess. Dick Sargent. I laughed Seriously? out loud. Seriously? <laughs> laughed out loud at that. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and so you're watching the whole game show where they're pretending to be a couple, right? So oh, that's... the question, ah, it's just hilarious. The question will be like, you know, uh, does your, well, they weren't pretending to be married, but they were like, does your, does, does Fanny, uh, sleep on her side or on her back? You know, stupid questions like that. And it's just so obvious. <laughs> and then, and of course, I had to do a deep dive. They didn't so I went give the other Wikipedia. person a binder? No. Beforehand? I, there should have been a binder delivered to them on a Wednesday, at least, yeah. prior to their appearance. I imagine they did some rehearsals oh. over, you know, certain parameters, but it, it was, oh, it was just so much fun. Oh so then I had to go to Wikipedia and look up, look up Dick Sargent. And yes, it was exactly the same thing. He he was, as I suspected at that time, involved with uh, the man who was his lover for like the rest of his life. Uh, and so was Fanny. Fanny was actually with... Do you remember Rita Mae Brown? She wrote a book called Ruby Fruit Jungle, which is like no. the lesbian book. That's the... I got the, nothing. Okay. It was in the 70s, I guess. But she's pretty famous for that. So yeah, they were a couple at the time. So that's my Tattletales story. I, I just, it's fascinating to me to I'll have to just, find that show somewhere. Yeah. Well, if you just go to YouTube and Tattletales Fanny Flags, I think she's only on one week. I think they only did it once. So you'll probably find it. But, that was uh, probably enough for her. <laughs> but, but then that, then, that sends me down on the whole, the whole rabbit hole of actors, TV actors, especially from the seventies. So many of them, like what we think of as character actors, were doing blatantly gay characters that were, I mean, they were blatant to people in the business. We didn't know it as viewers, but I mean, you got Paul Lind, right? Yeah. That, that whole character, that bitchy kind of, you know, (laughs) 
uh, just very eccentric. I think everybody you just looked at him as very eccentric. Right. We never thought of. Or I should say, I looked right. at it. exactly Charles Nelson. But I don't. I don't the think I clothes and the ascots and all that. Nobody thought by of that anything. time. I didn't know anything about gay. To right. be honest, it wasn't anything. I don't think they were talking about it in church at the time, and it wasn't anything that was a social discussion. So where would it have come from? I honestly don't know if I'd heard the word. I don't think most of us did, but there was this character who was always like the, either the crazy neighbor or the wacky uncle or whatever, and he was flamboyant and wore scarves and stuff. That's Lord Flamboy. <laughs> of course. But we just took that for granted. Oh, yeah, that's crazy old uh, Uncle Arthur. And he's wacky. And he's eccentric. But there were so many of those people on, on TV. It was like a almost like a, a niche character. But it does it adds so much. Otherwise, the regular characters realistically could get kind of boring. Day-to-day life, you can only come up with so much. That character, I think, comes from... There was a character called the Nancy in theater, which was basically that, because it was still illegal to be openly homosexual. Not even just committing homosexual acts, but to... You couldn't walk down the street saying, I am a homosexual! You'd be arrested. You literally would be. So, But people still liked that kind of, and this is separate from drag because there was drag performance too, but but there was a character called the, they would just call it the Nancy and it was it was just a flamboyant over the top, exaggerated yeah, and and they, and they were in, in all kinds of entertainment back then, so Wait, I uh, Nathan, Nathan Lane Nathan Lane, yes, hilarious I saw that, I saw him in Nan- the Nancy, he played a, a yeah, it was a, a play called the Nancy, I saw him in that on stage He's so just got, funny. You know, I got to be honest with you. I got to be honest. I think he's adorable. I do not like him. I do not like him. I'm sorry. Okay, we're done for I'm the sorry. day. Oh, I've got to go. I've got that thing. I just and you know, back back in my uh, my autograph days, back in my autograph hunting days, I was really into. They did a, an Adams Family on Broadway, which was not very good. It wasn't even very well received, but it was pretty pretty popular. And he was in that. And Bibi Newworth was. Morticia. Yeah. And I went I went to Broadway, and I'm a big Adams Family fan to start with, so I was already really obsessed with it. And I got the playbill, and I bought the little poster, like a 11 by 17 poster. And uh, I went to the stage door and got everybody in the cast to sign it the first night, except for Nathan Lane, who did not come out, which was weird. So I went back again. Now I've got this poster that's got literally everybody in the cast on it, except for Nathan Lane. So I have to get Nathan Lane on it. I have to. It's worthless without that to me. So I go back there three or four times and he just doesn't come out. And so I'm talking to somebody and they said, well, he has a thing that if the play gets bad reviews on opening night, he won't appear. He'll never come out to the stage for the entire run. Oh, wow. Okay. That, that seems a little odd. Sensitive. But yeah. Yeah. It's like all these people want it. The people who come to the, the people who lay 150 bucks down to see you in the show don't care about the reviews they want to see you yes. but whatever that's his you know his superstition about show business or whatever so i did track him down when he was on the letterman show as a guest and i caught him either going in and coming out with it and sign my stuff but there's something about him he just, he just i don't know he gives me there's an edge to him where i think well, i figure i'm not inviting him over for dinner so at this point he's not really in my world uh-huh. i mean i you hope that people aren't total scabs, but some yeah. are, and they end up getting elected president. What are we supposed to do? 
Ah, uh, well, thankfully that'll never happen. No, no. I'd put 45 cents on it. What do you think about this uh, Andrew Cuomo sex scandal? Or whatever we want to call it. Not like sex scandal. It's sexual Allegations rap. of harassment at this point. I think it. anything deserves to be looked at. We honestly don't know enough about it. It's getting a whole lot of airtime. I'm more like, okay, it's out there every day, 75 times a day. Let's find out what it is and then deal with it. There are people now saying he should resign before we actually know what it is. Kind of what happened with Al Franken. This mm-hmm. case. If you've got a D by your name, cancel you right away. And it infuriates me that there were credible, well, somewhere between 16 and 20 women who were talking about Trump. You heard the recording of him in that bus, and he gets cheered on. And so, I'm, I'm again, I'm saying it needs to be investigated and find out what happened and then gauge the response appropriately. Mm-hmm. But that they, some people get away with it quite readily, and other people, mm. Jim Jordan again. He was in something and then talking about having been a wrestling coach. If I'd been anywhere near him, I would have thrown something at him. Sphincter. I can't say what I want to call him, but I can use that word, can't I? I think it can. It's Latin. Latin's fine. Brings out the stress. What are your thoughts? I agree. I, I think that it should just be investigated. Any allegation should be investigated. I think it's also important to point out that what he's being accused of isn't the same thing as, I mean, I mistakenly called it. It's, it is harassment that he's being accused of. He's not being accused of physically doing anything to anyone, as far as I know. One gal said he kissed her. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think the conversation should begin and end with it needs to be investigated. And until it is investigated, yeah. I'm not really a Cuomo fan, to be honest, so it's not something that will, well, either way, it wouldn't upset me because I'm not, you know, unlike Republicans, I don't idolize politicians. So if it turned out, if it came out tomorrow that Bernie Sanders did something really, really awful, then that's the end. Yeah, he did it. Then if that's the end of it, I, I'm not going to defend him. I don't think that's the case. But um, no. with Cuomo, there's kind of, he's got kind of an edge that, I don't know, he should be investigated. Marjorie Taylor Greene has oh. her own little thing going on. Did you hear about this? Speaking, oh, of, speaking of sex that you don't want to know of. Oh, um, <laughs> hold on. I'll be gentle here. It has been Isn't alleged. Is that kind of an oxymoron? <laughs> with Marjorie Taylor Greene and gentle? Anything is a moron. It's, it's about her. <laughs> it's some kind of moron. She, okay, two men have come forward. Why you would brag about this, I don't know. But mm. two men have come forward and said that they have been her lover, that she is involved in a polyamorous relationship. Apparently her husband was not aware of this polyamorous relationship. Huh. <laughs> yeah. So in other words, she's, yeah, well, at least... Investigate! They're not claiming she did anything bad. They're just... One of them, I think, was her CrossFit instructor. Well, she uh, used to own a gym. Okay. And she had to keep her... It was a CrossFit gym, I want to say. And she had her radical... Yes, her radical beliefs at the time, and she kept them kind of quiet because she recognized the effect that that could have on her membership. But then as right. soon as she sold the gym, she went full wacko. Oh, my. Well, what are there? Are we going to see this in? I think this was like a British equivalent of the Inquirer, like the Guardian or the Sun or something like that. I mean, it's, the story is just that this guy has come forward and said that he did this, so. It's kind of like the John Travolta's gay lover tells all story. 
it's just Except it's one, 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 yeah, why not? what woman's going to want to date him <laughs> after that, unless it's another one from the cult who might think, oh my gosh, he was with her? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, Richard Ramirez had groupies. So yes, he did. There's somebody for everybody out there. Yeah. Still watching that show on Hotel Cecil. What's I that am. again? There's on Netflix, Hotel Cecil, and it's about a disappearance of 21-year-old gal from Canada. A Japanese-American like, girl? Or no? Yes. I, okay. I had, I had I told know, you I know that. Yeah. But all the different things, the cyber sleuths had decided it was a particular person who wasn't even in the country at the time, who just all of these different things. And I don't know how many episodes it has, but it's there's so much to that hotel. I know a lot about that particular story. I don't know anything else about other stories in the hotel or anything, but I know, you know, just from, from watching like the creepy pasta videos and stuff. It's the one where she's in the elevator making weird hands. Yeah. 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 And they're pretty sure because of what she's wearing that that's the day she disappeared. Yeah. I mean, it seems to me from what I know, it's certainly a lot more fun to think there's something supernatural going on, but it seems like she probably, I mean, she was bipolar and she would sometimes skip her medication and it seems more likely that she had an episode. Apparently, maybe the levels of her medication were very low in her system. Okay. And in speaking with her sister, said that she had a history of stopping taking her meds. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it's it, all very sad. It is. I mean, it's really creepy if you look at it to be scared. That elevator footage is terrifying because it really looks like she's there's a ghost or something out there and she's possessed by it or something. I mean, it's really if you look at it from that perspective, it's, it makes your skin crawl. It's but, interesting. The uh, People who have gone with conspiracy or different kinds of things, who the zip code of the hotel matches, if you Google it, the place in Canada where she's from, and the pinpoint of that, the exact pinpoint is the cemetery where she's buried, and some movie that had been done in the past with Jennifer Connolly, who played a mother and her daughter, and they're staying in some decrepit old hotel. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Dark Water? Yes. Yeah. All these similarities between... The remake of a Japanese film. Yes. But all these similarities between that movie and what happened to her, even the fact that the little girl is wearing a red coat Mm -hmm. when she goes up to the roof and drowns in the big water tank on top, and that this gal was wearing a red coat when she fell. You know, there are all these amazing coincidences. One of the guys says that accident or one, two, or the coincidence after that, it's something else. I didn't know they were doing... So this is a series? They're doing a documentary series on the hotel? Hotel, yeah. Hmm. So it's not just about her story. It's like one episode about her story and then uh, each episode No, about- the third episode is still on her and trying to solve the mystery. Again, you have all the cyber sleuths and they interview a lot of them as they're going. And then that musician had gone to his home country and was getting death threats and mm-hmm. really screwed up his life. And he's, so he ended up in a psychiatric hospital after a little while because he tried to kill himself it was so and they show some of the emails tweets whatever that were being sent to him and they're terrible no there are a lot of suicides and murders and strange stuff in that hotel i don't want to go stay there i don't believe you don't have to i'm not going to yeah how about the hotel overlook isn't it better i'm familiar that's the one from the shining oh yeah i don't know if i would go there i yeah i don't a lot of a lot of bad things there's some, was it the, not the Hotel Cecil, although that is supposedly quite haunted. Is that hmm. the one? The most haunted hotel in America? It's either Cecil or it's 
Yeah, see the, ho- the Hotel Cecil, or it's another one. <laughs> Let oh, me okay. narrow it. But it's either That's that like one or it's just one here or there. One. Yeah. It has to be one of the two. There's no other option. Somewhere in between. Hmm. I don't know. Did you, you know. did you watch Ghost Hunters when that was on? I did. Yeah, me too. I, that pissed me off because the first season, or at least maybe the first half season, they hooked me with this idea that we're, we're skeptics. We're not just, we're going to go in here and we're going to find out what is really causing these problems. And they did. The first couple of episodes, they were like, because they were Roto-Rooter guys, so they, they knew like plumbing and, and heating ducts and everything. And the first place they went in, found like an exposed wires from some wire box or something. And it's like, well, this is what's causing the cold air in here. And, and also like dizzy spells. Oh, cool. I love that. But then they just totally jettisoned that for the fakeness. Oh, I've watched different shows of that genre. I will admit I stopped watching them after my son was born because I had found them interesting, but then it just kind of got creepy because Mm -hmm. I do believe that it it exists, those things exist, and that you can invite them even if you don't mean to. And I chose not to invite any spirits into my world. Well, these people... I think are much like the Finding Bigfoot people in that the point of the show isn't to find ghosts. The point of the show is to create a situation that's a little bit spooky where people yeah. can go, oh, had to be a ghost. Like they, every time they would bring in like these high powered infrared cameras and all this stuff and they'd set up everything and then they would turn yeah. the lights out. Why would you turn the lights out? Why would a, a spirit have anything but, to do? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's why all of these shows they always go at night. Because it's scarier, that's why. Yes, and then somebody had said, oh, ghosts prefer darkness. <laughs> why? Why? Does it affect? <laughs> but if you think about it, if it's one of the apparitions, it might not be as visible during the day. I don't know. Put that, get get that on the list of things, too. <laughs> well, see, we used to, to back research. before this was cool, back before people were getting paid to make TV shows about this, we were doing this in high school. Me and a couple of buddies, one of whom is now deceased, we got really interested in this. We must have read some time life book about ghosts or something and somebody mentioned recordings so we got obsessed with that and we would go to my friend who's deceased had a job at a cemetery he was like a maintenance guy or whatever and we would go there and we would put a tape recorder brand new blank tape cassette and we would put it on we tried to find like the most recent grave or whatever and we just put it there and then we'd drive away so we'd still be an eye shot we could see that if anybody was walking around or tampering or whatever and but we were far enough away that we wouldn't be recorded and we would sit in the car for like 45 minutes or whatever until the tape was up we'd go back we'd retrieve the tape and then we'd run home put it into his brother's super high-powered state-of-the-art stereo equalizer everything and every now and then we'd get like a see which would be enough for us to keep doing it yes (laughs) glad you Uh, never caught us (laughs) why you kids
to the 